Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised. I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Our Bible is divided into two sets of books, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is obviously the one meant for us, the church. Right, and the Old Testament was meant for Israel. It's the Word of God, but there's a lot about the law in there, and we Christians are free from the law. So what's the point of reading the Old Testament? Let's find out now. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one purpose and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us for the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision in behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. That was Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 9. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. It's important to take out of the Bible what God put into it, rather than reading into the Bible what we wanted to say. That's why we created the SPACE method. SPACE is an acronym that reminds us to consider the speaker, SP, audience, A, and the context, C, before attempting an E, explanation. And when we put those letters together, we get the acronym SPACE. Okay, so the speaker in the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul. The audience is the members of the church in Rome, which was the capital of the Roman Empire, both Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. We see that mixed audience in verses 8 and 9 of our scripture reading. It reads, quote, For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision in behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. To the Jewish believers in Rome, Paul writes that Christ went to the cross to, quote, confirm the promises given to the fathers. 
that is, the forefathers such as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, and King David. To the Gentile believers in Rome, he writes that Christ went to the cross to, quote, glorify God for his mercy. Then he goes on to quote four scriptures that speak of the Gentiles, including a version of Isaiah 11. There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, and him will the Gentiles hope. That's Romans 15, 12. Okay, the context is Paul instructing this church in the way he would if he had been able to visit them in person. This church was led by two heroes from the book of Acts, Aquila and Priscilla, and they were both well instructed. In fact, Paul praises the Roman believers in several places in this letter. He says in Romans 1.8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. And then in Romans 15.14, he says, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. So perhaps because they had great leaders and were doing well, Paul writes that although he had planned and desired to go to Rome and, of course, preach the gospel to them, he had, quote-unquote, been prevented. Well, whatever the case, this letter to the Romans represents everything the Apostle Paul would teach new churches in person. So we get the benefit from that. Right, and for example, Romans 14, the preceding chapter, explains the key Christian principle of conscience. It describes listening to our conscience so that we use our freedom in Christ wisely and do not create stumbling blocks for our weaker brothers and sisters. Andy, what's a modern example of that? Let's think of a man, you know, he may be perfectly capable of drinking alcohol in moderation, but avoid doing so in the company of weaker men who maybe are not so good with alcohol. So as for Romans chapter 15, Jordan, from which we take our reading today, the context is a continuation of that theme, particularly self-denial and self-sacrifice on behalf of others. So now we're ready to get into an explanation. Let's break down this passage of Scripture. Okay, so Romans 15, 1 through 3 says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, quote, the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. So Andy, what's the Apostle Paul saying to the Roman believers here? And what is the Holy Spirit saying to us today? Well, let's start with your question about Paul. First of all, I I have to look at the key word in that one verse. And the key words I'm thinking of are, bear the weakness, is what Paul said. And You have to consider that at that time, there were different levels of faith that varied amongst all Christians. There were new believers who were part of the audience then. And then, of course, there were longtime believers that that he was writing these letters to, that he was addressing. And what I feel is that Paul is actually proclaiming responsibility to the longtime believers here when he says, bear their weakness. And then the next question that you had was asking me, you know, Hey, how does the what is the Holy Spirit saying to us today? And I think of what Jesus is saying when he says, have fallen on me. Those key words, have fallen on me. So again, we look here at what we're dealing with is the Holy Spirit himself is reminding us to carry our cross daily. Okay, so moving on to Romans 15, 4, it says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction 
so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Yeah, Jordan. So now we come to the meat of our lesson today, and the Apostle Paul elaborates on this point in another letter, his letter to the church at Corinth. So could you do us a favor for our listeners? Could you read that passage now? It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Sure. Starting in verse 1. For I did not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for their dead bodies were spread out in the wilderness. So the Apostle Paul establishes a clear link here between the Old Testament through typology. And uh, before we move on, Andy, um, let's talk about that a little bit. What types, and perhaps uh, we could explain that as uh, symbols or foreshadows, do we see here, and what do they represent? So first I want to look at the word, the the cloud here that's mentioned. Um, You know, it says that our fathers were all under the cloud, and the cloud here is in type represents, now there was a literal cloud that covered Israel as they meandered through the desert. But that cloud had a, a, a typological purpose, and it, it represented God's protection from the heat of the day. We also see that they passed through the sea, and that spreading of the sea is a type. It's a foreshadow of our water baptism. And moving on, we, we see that also Paul brings up spiritual food. And for those of you who know a little bit about the Bible and, and can make the connection here, we, we know that also the, the Israelites, as they went through the desert, that God fed them daily with the manna from heaven. And of course, Jesus is called the bread of life. What we have as Jesus today is his word. We know that the word is a living thing. It's Jesus himself. And then um, finally, it's the, the spiritual drink here, Jordan. I mean, we, we know that Jesus here is, is being typified through the rock. And we know that in their walk, that Moses was um, ordered by God to speak to the rock after he struck the rock the first time for water to come out. And whenever he spoke to the rock, water would come out to be able to quench the thirst of the Israelites. And and we coincide that with the Holy Spirit. When we seek God with all of our heart and all of our strength, we know, whether it be in prayer or, of course, partially in reading the Bible or serving Him in any way, that the Holy Spirit flourishes in us. Whenever we're thirsty for God, it, it just seems that we're we're filled with the Holy Spirit, which takes away that spiritual thirst. So these are all key things and I, and that are very important for, for those listeners who don't know to understand what the importance of these verses in 1 Corinthians 10 mean through typology. Yes, and it's through these types that we can see the theme of today's lessons, which is written for our instruction. And I want to stay in 1 Corinthians 10 and continue with verse 6, because there's, uh, there's more here that speaks to that point. So 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6 says, Now these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they indeed crave them. And uh, just to go back, we're coming off verse 5, which said, Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for their dead bodies were spread out in the wilderness. And then verse 7, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, quote, The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Verse 8, Nor are we to commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor are we to put the Lord to the test, as some of them did, and were killed by the snakes. 
nor grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. There we again see that, that phrase again, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So, you know, verse 6 and verse 11 are the ones that really connect with our scripture reading today with Romans 15.4. Again, Romans 15.4 says, But whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that, through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then 1 Corinthians 15.6 says, Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they indeed craved them. And then 1 Corinthians 15.11, which says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And that's an important phrase. Great points, Jordan. So putting it all together, we see the Old Testament serving several purposes. You know, just to name a few here, it teaches us about endurance. It gives us encouragement. It gives us hope. It warns us to you know, teach not to crave evil or, or to crave ungodly things. Um, and also it's, it's what some people might call didactic teaching. And all that word didactic means is just an adjective that describes um, an author of literature who intends to teach or offer moral instruction as an ulterior motive. So for example, books or movies are created to entertain, but didactically, they have a motive to teach or make a moral point by the author or the director. So the connection we see here is that, you know, in, in the Old Testament, in God's Old Testament scriptures, it didactically teaches for the New Testament church. So we see that there's allegories and there's, uh, you know, beautiful typology in the Old Testament that was written by God with the motive of us learning a lesson today, us the church. And of course, finally, you know, these, these, the purposes of the Old Testament also is to prepare us. You know, it's very important that we're prepared for what the future has in hold. So I have a question for you, Jordan. On that last point, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 11, again, quote, upon whom the end of the ages have come. What does he mean by that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's important to recognize that as, as far as their perspective was concerned, they believed that, you know, Christ could come into his kingdom at any day. Um, you know, there were even some, later on, there were some extremists who actually moved out into the desert and formed their own community to be apart from the world and to prepare themselves and separate themselves from the sins of the world because they believed that the return was that imminent. And I think, um, you know, we now know that there's, there's going to be this long pause out of God's mercy that, that they weren't aware of then. But I think we should have the same attitude that they did, which is that, we're in the end times. We're, you know, yes. um, minutes away from midnight, as Pastor Whipple, the founder of the ministry, used to say. We we don't know exactly when midnight is, but it's coming. It's coming soon. It could be tomorrow. So um, we have to have that sort of mentality that um, you know all these things that are written in the Bible that we're reading about are to prepare us, as you said, and to keep us on the on the path and right with God, because the end of the ages could be at any moment. Oh yeah. Um, okay, speaking of Pastor Whipple, he taught that out of uh, 3 million or so people who left Egypt during the Exodus, only two people made it into the Promised Land, and um, that's obviously scriptural. Um, what do you think that example has to teach us today, Andy? Well, I think, Jordan, it's a warning for us not to lose hope and to understand that there is something much bigger 
in our salvation. There's a bigger purpose to our salvation. And that purpose is not only to have everlasting life, but also with the hope of us being able to make it into the thousand-year kingdom of heaven, which Jesus is going to establish on earth. I mean, if you think about it in typology, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, these 3 million Israelites were saved really while they were back in Egypt. They were passed over by the spirit of death for having the Passover lamb's blood on their doorposts. They were also water baptized when they passed through the Red Sea, which was actually their first work of faith. But then it was finally their time to go forward into the promised land, and it was their lack of faith that caused them to be cast out and never to enter. At least that generation wasn't allowed to enter. Yet entering the promised land was the exact reason God sent them over in the first place. Now, let's think about that today. It's estimated that there are 2.5 billion Christians in the world, all right? We don't know for sure, but that's an estimation. And when I say in the world, I mean, that's kind of a type of saying in the wilderness, right? So let's just say the end comes tomorrow, the rapture occurs tomorrow. Now, if we use the same scale from Exodus, which is two, only two people were allowed into to the land of milk and honey, that was Joshua and Caleb. So out of the 3 million people, there are only two were allowed in. That would mean only, and I did the math for you guys, only 1,700 Christians out of the 2.5 billion on the earth will make it into the millennial kingdom, which is the antitype of the promised land. And again, please don't think that we feel that there's a special number out there, but we're just you know playing with these numbers the way God wrote them out for us. Yeah, it's a scale and... Um... I think, you know, it might take some people a while to digest what you said and think about it because, again, you have to go back to when the Israelites were saved, and that was when the angel of death passed over their houses. So if you if you start the typology there, it, it becomes much clearer. And like you said, it's not a specific number, and, you know, we should add that no one knows or really can figure out who belongs to the church of the firstborn. It's not a, it's not something to um, to become elitist about or... Uh, to necessarily have, um, you know, arrogance about. So, so who knows? Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, absolutely not. I'm sorry, Jordan. I just want to clarify to all of our listeners. You know, no offense to anybody, but we are not Jehovah's Witnesses, nor do we take you know any of what they believe to be part of this gospel of the kingdom. No, I mean, obviously, for for those of you who don't know, they believe there's a preset 144,000 that are reserved to be raptured and saved, and you know. That's apologetics, and that's something for another day, but that's not what we believe at all. We're just trying to to show you the significance of type here, that out of the three million people that wandered in the desert, that crossed through the Red Sea, only two of them were allowed into the promised land, which was the exact point. That was the reason why God brought them over. So, you know, and, and that's why, you know, we were talking about how there's so many Christians today, and it goes to show you how many of the Christians that are alive today are really you know, have that faith or exercising that faith and trust and and following God faithfully so that when they do appear at the Bema seat, which is what I strive, I know Jordan, you strive for this, and we pray that every Christian knows about this and strives for this, that the reason why we want to live righteously and have intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ is so that we can make it into the promised land. And that's exactly what, what God is trying to teach us to be careful that we don't fall into the same predicament of the majority of Israel. Right, exactly. We we should take the lesson here, which is that, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, we might find out that there will be a, a lot less who entered the kingdom than expected because so many, as you point out, 
and uh, let's not be among them uh, lost faith in the wilderness. And you know that that isn't to say, of course, that those who fall short uh, will lose their salvation or go to hell. We know that's not true, um, but they will suffer the loss of their birthright inheritance as the Israelites did. And you know that inheritance for us is is to rule and reign with Christ if if we sacrifice for Christ while on earth. And you know if we can't know if we're enrolled in heaven ahead of time, um, what can we do to avoid suffering a loss, Andy? Jordan, I think it's important that we make it a point to read and study the Sermon on the Mount. You could read that in Matthew chapter five through seven. Also, study the Gospel of the Kingdom. And you could first see about that in Matthew 24, 14. Also, we need to always prepare with humility to have our spiritual ears to hear the kingdom truths. And that's mentioned many times by Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4. And of course, the end of all seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation. So I guess the point is really seek it in the word of God. It's so important. Yeah, and there are a few good verses from our scripture reading that we didn't cover, Romans 15, 5 through 7. You know, verses 5 and 6 are a benediction of sorts. They say, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one purpose and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he adds in verse 7, Therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us, for the glory of God. So let's focus on that first part, Andy. God gives perseverance and encouragement, as well as unity of mind and purpose and voice in doing the work of glorifying him. Why is that important to keep in mind? Earning the kingdom requires righteous works. I mean, plain and simple, bearing fruit, giving meat in due season, suffering for the Lord, having endurance, and so on. Or to use the Apostle Paul's analogy from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, We must wisely build on the foundation that Jesus Christ established for us in his salvation. And of course, build with works which are symbolized by gold, silver, and precious stones so that what we build will survive the judgment fire. But critically, this cannot be works of self. Remember that. We have to do something, but there's technically nothing we can do. And I know this sounds like a paradox until you understand what Romans chapter 15, verses 5 to 7, is actually saying. God does it all through us. He gives us what we need to glorify Him. And of course, by doing that, we earn reward. We just have to yield to Him and let His will be done. Okay, that's 20 minutes, and that's our lesson. Before we go, don't forget, we want to hear from you. We welcome your questions and comments, even if you don't agree with us. Just give us a call or leave a message. Our number is 908-271-6717. If you ask a good question or make a good point, we may even put you on the show. Once again, our number is area code 908-271-6717. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and pretty soon even on YouTube. You can also visit our website at 20mbs.org. That's the number 20 followed by the letters mbs.org. Until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. 
Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Reserved Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.